and welcome to the Unveiled Podcast, where we discuss all things related to women to help us think biblically in every area of life. I'm Sandy, and I'm here with Susie, and we both have a passion to bring gospel reform to womanhood, to families, and to all of life. Today, we are super honored to have a guest with us, Dr. Ann Gillies. I met Dr. Ann during the heat of the pandemic, and we were both trying to figure out how to help our very troubled youth. And I very quickly realized that Dr. Ann was very intelligent and very knowledgeable about the whole gender ideology, uh, but most importantly, helping people to think biblically about it. She has spent over 25 years in private counseling practice, working extensively with trauma survivors, seeing lives restored and transformed. Dr. Ann is retired from clinical practice, but uh, she focuses now on advocacy and political reform for the traumatized, those that are struggling with unwanted sexual attractions, and for the most vulnerable, our children. Dr. Ann has written three books. One is called Deep Impact, Integrating Theology and Psychology in the Treatment of Complex Trauma. Secondly, she has written Damaged by the Predators Among Us. And then thirdly, Closing the Floodgates, Setting the Record Straight about Gender and Sexuality. Dr. Ann and her husband, Bob, have a blended family of six children and 12 grandchildren. Her emphasis is on providing accurate and truthful information in the areas of trauma, attachment, gender, and sexuality. This is such an amazing list of qualifications, and I'm so thankful, Anne, that you would join us here today, largely because there are so few Christians that are willing to actually speak on these things uh, that also have both knowledge and they've done their time studying it, but also have experience in helping people on these issues. It's it's very rare. And so to have Dr. Ann on this podcast is an absolute joy to my soul. Plus, I don't have to answer all the questions today, so that's also good. <laughs> yes, we're very, very grateful that you could join us tonight. Um, and before we really dig into our questions, could you share some of the things that you're currently working on? Right now, I am uh, touring in the U.S. I am on a book launch tour for Damaged by the Predators Among Us. And that is our own personal story on uh, pedophilia. So my family story, myself and my children. It's a really, really important subject that is even harder to discuss than the gender ideology. So, um, and then also I just have completed uh, two other books that are at the publishing stage. One is called Implosion. And it's a short book, 10 chapters, on what's happening right now in the culture. So it'll be out. And then also I am, uh, I've just finished a book called Whatever Happened to Emily. And it is on two young girls, one of them who in elementary school begins to transition. So it's a story that is uh, going to be for children. Uh, for their parents, there's study questions in the back. It's about this process and understanding how trauma impacts these children's lives and how the education system, you know, what they're hearing in school is impacting them. So I think it's really going to be important for, for parents and children. So that's what I'm doing. Wow. Thank you. I think, yeah, there's definitely a need for, for books like those. And I look forward to getting my hands on them when they come out. Um, 
Well, we wanted to record this podcast in light of International Women's Day, which is coming up on March 8th. And uh, as I was doing some research for this episode, I have to say, I thought I, that I would be able to get a really clear picture of what this celebration is all about. And I ended up having more questions. The theme for 2023 is Embrace Equity. And the website encourages the reader to post a picture hugging yourself with the hashtag Embrace Equity. And here's a few quotes to introduce us to this year's theme. Imagine a gender equal world, a world free of bias, stereotypes, and discrimination, a world that's diverse, equitable, and inclusive, a world where difference is valued and celebrated. Together we can forge women's equality. Collectively we can all Hashtag embrace equity. International Women's Day belongs to everyone, everywhere. Inclusion, inclusion means all International Women's Day action is valid. So in reading this, I just noticed there's so much woke language, and some of it sounds really good. But the impression that I get from reading all of this is that we need to elevate women by erasing what makes us uniquely women. And... Um, as we look around, Dr. Ann, as we look around our country at public education and the messages that are being pushed on social media, in movies, and even on International Women's Day, how dangerous is the new gender ideology to our young people? Uh, if you could shed some light on this, and then Susie, if you have some thoughts to add as well. Absolutely. Well, you're, you are so right, Sandy, because... That language, everyone, everywhere, and this is to celebrate everyone, everywhere. What kind of Women's Day is that? Like, just what you're talking about. So the language has such power, right, to change the mind, change the brain, and it's no longer about sex. Like, we are biologically different. It is a sexual difference, not a gender difference. But everything is, like, even legal documents all have... Um, gender now instead of sex all this it's it's what has happened to our language so when we think of this whole ideology and the impact on our children there's a lot of stuff that i believe um is really really um just damaging them and damaging their brains neurologically you know you know young children are like sponges and so what they're taking in runs against everything they know in their being to be true, like down deep, children know right from wrong. They know male from female, but everything they're being told in the school system is opposite. And so there's tremendous confusion, anxiety, depression, and all of those things are making new neural pathways in the brain that are very, very unhealthy. And it's combined with pornographic images that track quickly in the brain. It's, it's very damaging. Yeah, it's very heartbreaking. Just the little bit that I've been exposed to, that I hear about, it, it's shocking. And I think like Dr. Ann said, children know. They, they have this sense. They know if they are male or female, and yet... It gets confusing because they're told so many different things. And I think one of the ways that we've erred is by taking away authority 
the Bible is very clear that parents are to train up their children. And I know Proverbs 22, 6, um, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's a general truth. I, I do know that um, it doesn't necessarily mean that kids will never stray, but it's a general truth. If parents take up the time to train their children in the way they should go, that's going to be a blessing to their children. And yet, because we've removed authority, so many parents no longer actually teach their children. They're afraid to say anything. They try to be their friend rather than a good biblical authority figure who loves them and cares for them. And so something as basic as just removing good parental authority impacts our children and confuses them, uh, especially when their authority at school is teaching them a very different agenda. And then mom and dad don't say anything at home Kids have this knowledge that they're male or female, but if nobody's actually affirming it, but their authority is confusing them, it's just going to add to this whole confusion, and and that's not beneficial for our children at all. Absolutely. And even hiding it from parents, um, some schools. What are some practical steps that parents can take to guard and protect their children from the current sexual agenda? Well, the first step that I believe uh, is get your kids out of the school system. If they're in a public school system, get them out of there. You know, up until two years ago, I was trying to be gracious and say, well, you know, talk to your teachers, do what you can do. No way. There is no, no, um, no logical sense except that it, it, when I say no logical sense, of keeping your children in the public school system, except I know that there's single moms out there and there's there's a lot of situations where how do we get our children out of the school system even if we want to? And I, I do get that. Um, for those people who can't remove their children from the school system um, in order to homeschool or put them in a Christian school that is not adopting gender ideology because many of them are now um for those parents you need to really be on top of what is going on and you need to be able to talk to the teacher tell them what you do and don't want um whether they will agree to do that um is anyone's guess so many of them will not you need to also one of the really important most important things of all is right from the beginning in early childhood you develop a really really close attachment secure attachment to your child so that that child knows they can come to you with whatever's going on whatever they're being taught that you'll listen to their fears their their uh, what's what they're telling you don't just throw it out the window and say oh that's ridiculous no no they're there's when you think uh, your child is just making things up, check it out. Uh, because most likely, if they're talking about sexual things being taught in the, in the classroom, they're probably right. And, um, and most parents would absolutely be shocked at what their children are being taught in the classroom. I do. I talk quite a bit about that in Closing the Floodgates and um, talk and challenging parents to unite and help one another because that's really what we need to be doing. Know who your children are spending time with. Um, know where they're going, where they're hanging out. Oh, and the other thing is, do not give your child a cell phone 
Mm. I know it's so easy, you know, and it, some ones have become the babysitters. Mm-hmm. It used to be the babysitter, right? Now it's cell phones. That is one of the most dangerous things you can do for your child. Uh, yes, you will be going against the culture, and yes, your child will probably be annoyed with you. But it's time for parents to step up and to be parents. You must, you must be a parent if you want to have any influence at all in your child's life in the future, now or in the future. And you have to risk them being upset with you from time to time. You know, that's part of parenting. You're not going to um, get through all of the parenting without them being upset with you. Uh, that and, and so parents who try to just be friends all the time to their children are actually doing the child a disservice. They need to be able to say no. Mm-hmm. and to work for the child's best interests. I love how you put all that because, once again, it's that human connection, right? Like, such a valuable thing that parents make that attachment with their children, and that takes time, it takes em- effort, it takes energy, it takes being intentional. And so many times kids that stray into these other ideologies and uh, forms of connection that are actually a distortion of, of genuine connection are because they, they've they been traumatized somehow. They haven't had that connection. They have issues with their parents. And I totally know I have five kids of my own. I haven't been a perfect parent. But you don't have to be a perfect parent. We don't have to put that no. expectation on ourselves. But let's be intentional. Let's make an effort to be a human connection. And like you said, Dr. Ann, don't give your parenting away to a cell phone or any electronics, be the parent yourself, step up, be willing to to have them be mad at you sometimes. It's worth it. Not that we intentionally want our kids angry, but if they're angry because we're doing something that's for their good and their protection, then it's, it's worth their anger towards us. And in the end, usually it comes back to bless us, bless them and our, our next generation. And so the next question I wanted to ask you, Dr. Ann, was once children have been taught, so some of our our parents maybe realized too late that their kids were learning some really bad stuff in school. And uh, they've already been exposed to this gender ideology. How difficult is it to undo those lies? And can you give some advice to parents whose children are maybe already leaning in that direction, and the parents are now just stepping in and realizing what's happening. Right. Well, the first thing I want to say is you can't have a healthy soul and maintain um, giving it toxic substances. And so in order to change the direction that uh, and, and the negative things that your child has been ingesting, so think of about If your child's ingesting poison, because on a biological level, this is the same kind of thing, right? Your child's ingesting poison. You got to get it out of there, right? And so on a neurological side, when you think of all the scenes and the things your child has seen in the classroom, which includes, um, you know, pornography, uh, not the kind of porn that you would see maybe in Playboy, perhaps, but certainly diagrams and 
they are being instruction uh, instructed on, on the how to's of sexual um, experience. So that that's really tough because a child's um, first experience of sex really really lodges in the brain. That means that for Christian parents and most of those who are listening will be Christian parents. You must keep um, you must keep training their your child's brain. Read the scripture. Have them memorize scripture. You know how does a young man keep his way pure? It says in Psalm 19, he keeps it according to God's word, and so that's for young men and women. God's word, and keep praying and praying over your children. And you know. Um, that's why it's so important to build and to have that strong relationship with your child and to believe them when they're telling you some of the things. So retraining the brain is possible. The brain is very flexible. But here's the other thing. It's very hard to do if your child's still in the school system because they're, they're spending six hours a day in the classroom. You have to spend that many hours at least with your child. That's, and parents are going, oh my goodness, how can we do that? That means you shut off the TV. You, you know, have them help you cook and clean and do things. Be together, be intentional, like you said, Susie. And you have to really help them uh, in understanding the whole biological concepts of male and female as biblical sexuality. That's what will help them. I love your answer. And it almost seems too simple to be true, right? Pray, 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 pray for your children. Read scripture to your children. Have them memorize scripture. Are, aren't these the kind of things that Christian families should be doing anyways? And it, it seems so simple, and yet it's so, so true, right? Like we are to renew our minds in Christ. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, He helps us to rewire our brain activity, right? And it's it's amazing and it's powerful. And we can do that. As Christian parents, we can do that. Nobody ever said parenting was easy and that it didn't take any time. Parenting takes a lot of time. It's a full-time, it's a 24-7 job. And we should be willing to invest that, especially when we see that our kids are, are really troubled and have already begun distorting their minds. Like, Let's pick it up. Let's step in. Let's do what it takes to re help them renew their minds. Uh, great answer. Thank you, Dr. Ann. Mm -hmm. That is wonderful. Um, and change course and not be afraid to change course. So um, I recently resigned from our local public school board as a teacher of almost 20 years. And in my exit survey, I stated that the gender ideology is detrimental to children and we can probably guess that uh, I heard nothing back from the board. And, you know, we've seen the videos of parents bringing the library materials that are blatantly sexual to the trustee meetings and being completely ignored or silenced or having those videos, those YouTube videos scrubbed. Um, teachers who speak up or who even just genuinely question um, are disciplined as as we are advocates for our youth and as ambassadors for Christ, I know we've kind of covered this already, but maybe we need to reiterate it again. Um, 
do you feel that Christian parents are naively sending their children, thinking that their kids can be a light to their non-Christian friends? Are we risking our children's very souls, or are we overreacting here? Well, you're definitely not overreacting. And so I would say this to you, because I've heard, heard Christian parents say this before, well, I want my child to be a light in the dark place in the school system. And I challenge the parents and say, how much of a light are you marketplace? And I'm not trying to be critical, but we are expecting our children to do something. And they're just children young children as to stand up and say something in class when everybody in the class would ridicule them. I don't think they can do that. We Mm -hmm. can put that kind of pressure on our children. And I think we need to be very, very um, rational about what we ask our children to do because we have great difficulties speaking up. Mm-hmm. outside of our own little context, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's one thing to speak to other believers who are like-minded, but to speak to someone else who is uh, perhaps uh, per- perhaps gay or lesbian or or um, transgender themselves, how many of us actually would do that? So, yeah, we can't, I don't think we can um, expect our children to do those things. I think you're right, Sandy, I think it's really sad about the school system, and you're not likely to hear back, um, of course, because you would say something that doesn't go with the actual mandated education, mm-hmm. sex ed education. And, you know, in 2017, Dr. Lisa Lippman had a study at Brown's University, which was later retracted, redacted, um, and one of the things she was talking about was coming out as transgender, uh, was happening in peer groups, and you've probably heard that, and and that it's young girls mostly with rapid onset gender dysphoria. The 13, well now it's even younger, like it's 11, 12 to 16, 18 year olds that are really coming out in mass. And uh, you know, uh, over half of them, these are girls, um, who trans trans um, uh, gender, they end up transitioning. So as parents, you need to know this because these children are self-diagnosing. The children, the teachers are diagnosing them. How what right does a teacher have to offer a diagnosis? In fact, everyone seems in our culture to offer diagnosis of everything. It's ridiculous. Um, but we need to understand that these children are extremely confused and they're being pushed into uh, groups. They're pushed in and the other thing about these children that do end up transitioning, many of them, up to 30% are, are autistic. These are vulnerable children to begin with. Not only that, these children, um, I think it's well over 90% have other pre-existing met, uh, mental health comorbidities. So we need to be taking care of our children. And so, you know, children who have been in foster care, adopted, any of those kind of already, um, it, it creates a void, you know, it creates the trauma in their lives. They are vulnerable. So I think I just walked myself all around your question. No, you did a great job answering that. Yeah. Did you want to add anything to that, Susie? 
I was just thinking, uh, I was recently talking to a Christian pharmacist, and she's uh, in the process of renewing some of her paperwork, and she says it's absolutely horrible as she's studying and researching some stuff. There is a no age of consent in Ontario. I'm not sure if she said Ontario or Canada for children. So if a six-year-old asks for medication to change their hormones, that six-year-old has the right to make that decision without parental consent. That's sad because six-year-olds do not know what is best for them. They need their parents to continue to help guide them. So it's just so sad. Our our country, our laws do not protect children. They give them freedom to do whatever they want, but that doesn't protect them. It's very, very dangerous. And so we we as parents need to be very aware of what's going on. As we were talking here, I was just thinking about something, Dr. Ann, too, because you are very skilled in uh, understanding trauma and how that affects children. And so I was just thinking about how many children, especially girls, get sexually violated at a young age. And sometimes parents don't know how to handle that. Sadly, I think too often parents might minimize that if their parent if their child does actually say something to them. It's almost like it's minimized. Maybe the parents think, oh, the child's young, they'll over they'll get over it. It won't affect them. And yet it's when they're adults that they come back and, and need counseling. Do you have anything to say in regards to how parents can best manage and how they should actually respond if their child comes to them and says, I was touched by this person or, um, you know, whatever they might say. I don't know what a child would necessarily say, but if the child tries to share with their parent that they've been violated, how should parents respond to that? Well, you know, up until about 10 years ago, I could kind of, kind of give you a very um, basic response, you know, and I still will give that. Listen to your child. Believe your child. But the other thing I want to say, abuse, uh, sexual abuse, and, and being able to um, actually detect it, is becoming, uh, the lines are all being skewed because of our education system. So we're, you know, 10 years ago, you could look, you could see a child in your office and there were, there were pretty obvious signs, um, and some not so obvious signs that this child had been sexually abused. But now, because of what's happening in the classroom and because of the things that children are being told that is acceptable, which, uh, and so I'll, I'll just put it out here. I'm sorry about using being so blunt, but, um, but children are being taught to masturbate from very young ages. And, and I'm not saying every teacher in every grade is doing this, but it's in the curriculum as comes right from the WHO uh, uh, sex education program, and it's going to get more and more prevalent. In California, actually, within the last uh, six months, they have been, um, the schools, several schools have opened closets where children can go and privately masturbate. This is how 
this is how bad it is. And you may think you want to sh shut the program off and say this woman's crazy, mm -hmm. but I suggest you do some research. Yeah. And so we have these children now who are being taught that sexual touch, anything that pleases you is good, it's pleasurable, and what you do to yourself is pleasurable, and then the next step is what others do, right? And we're seeing more sexual abuse, more physical abuse in the schoolyards, and then teaching your child at home now about appropriate touch is much more difficult, mm -hmm. much more difficult. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to detect. Mm -hmm. So you have to trust the relationship. So when the child comes to you, you better have both ears open and listen carefully mm -hmm. for what is not being said. Watch their body and their ma their mannerisms. What's changing? Do they all of a sudden want to pull away from you, not hug you? You know, there's all kinds of different things that might go on. Um, you need to teach your child not about uh, just accepting everything, but you need to teach your child the art of refusal. Don't mm -hmm. touch me. Mm -hmm. And whatever, like that other children don't come in your, your child's space. You know, that doesn't mean they can't hug a friend. So you have to, it's, it's like you have to be very intentional, but with mm -hmm. good words, you be intentional in all of these things. Good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are these are hard things to talk about, but I'm so glad that that you are both willing to um, to bring this to light. And um, in Ephesians four, it says that we are to speak the truth in love. And I see both of you as examples of mature believers who speak boldly in Jesus' name. And Canada has become volatile towards Christians who don't quietly follow the narrative. Um, we can look at the example of Josh Alexander, who got arrested for defending girls at his high school. We see pastors being arrested and ticketed. Um, and I, I really feel like Christ, as Christians that we need to prepare ourselves to face slings and arrows for defending God's word. And I have a feeling that both of you have already taken some hits for your steadfast commitment to God's word. Can you give our listeners some encouragement to become more bold in this area and share how you equip yourselves for conflict and for persecution? Maybe, Dr. Ann, if you could start. Sure. Well, um, when I wrote Closing the Floodgates, so that was in 2016, and I remember saying to my husband, you know, Bob, um, I could go to jail for what I've written in this book. And he looked at me and said, honey, you're not going to go to jail for what you've written in the book. <laughs> but I knew. I mean, God was already challenging me. Was I willing to stand up for the truth, right? And I want to say to you that it's a process um, that, for me anyways, and I think for most people that I went through, first of all, you kind of go through this fear and trepidation. What, what are you calling me to, you know? And I really don't want to do this. I mean, I would love to do something else, maybe like retire. <laughs> but, um, you know, but the reality is when it's like on the road to Emmaus, when mm. that fire burns within mm. you and you know that you know that you're called by God to do something, that, that is what fuels everything. But you do have to cross the fear hurdle. 
And for me, that was, and several times I would say to my husband, I, Bob, you need to understand I could go to jail for this. And it took about three years before he began to say, you know, I don't, I didn't want to believe that, I, you know, because it's, it's very hard for a man. Uh, I think it's, I think it's very difficult for a man in my husband's situation um, to release me to do what he knows God's called me mm -hmm. to do. Because, I mean, well, women thrive on security, men are protectors. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's this, this sense, so we need to be gracious to our husbands. God's called us into something that's uh, on the front lines because our our husbands want to protect us. And so that's a good thing. But Bob's come to the place now. And I mean, uh, you know, just before I left for the States, he said, well, the police knock on the door. I'll just tell them you're not home. <laughs> <laughs> like, but, you know, none of us want want to go to jail or bad things to happen. I'm, I don't want that to happen for anyone. But I think as believers, we have to understand that throughout history, Christians have been persecuted for their faith, and we are under a delusion. If we think in Canada that that won't happen, in fact, it already is happening, and we're seeing the elements of that. Um, there's lots in the Christian church do, that do not believe we're under any kind of persecution, but they're deluded, and <laughs> they're deluded because it's right there. It's obvious. So I think we prepare our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, and then the more you can do to prepare yourself, then the, I'm not suggesting it's going to be easy, but you um, kind of become fearless in a way. I don't, not silly, mm -hmm. and you don't want to do things that are just going to get you targeted, but it is this sense where, well, God, if you be for me, who, who can stand against me? Mm -hmm. And, and uh, we do have angels that surround us, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So God is good. He's faithful. But we must be faithful as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I would say I've suffered very little yet, but um, certainly over the last several years with everything going on in our country, it's been a really good time for me to really challenge myself and really galvanize what am I willing to stand up for and what does that look like? And like Dr. Ann said, we're not just going to throw ourselves out to be targets unnecessarily. But we have to ask ourselves, like, what what are the situations, what are the things that we need to be willing to speak up for, for truth, for righteousness, for the kingdom of God, and and then be willing to die for it, to go to jail for it, or whatever it takes. And so I think the Lord's really done a good work in me over the last couple of years. Uh, I'd like to, you know, be one of these bold people and say, whatever it takes, I'm willing to do whatever. Lord, please give me the grace to do whatever you need me to do and to be willing to suffer the consequences. Uh, it's easy to say, Lord, give me the grace to do it when when the time comes, right? So, uh, so yeah, and when it comes to protecting children, I think we've been silent for too long, maybe naive for too long, and we, we, we can't live naively. We can't live silently anymore. We have to protect our children. We have to speak up. It may not benefit me, it may not benefit my generation, but if it benefits the next generation, praise the Lord. And ultimately, just remembering we are living for the glory of God, not the glory of people. People will not always like what we say or what we stand for. They will be offended. They will get mad at us, and they'll say all sorts of things that 
show that they're just upset. It's not really about me. It's about what I'm standing for. And if I'm standing for Christ, so be it. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you both so much. Uh, yes. So I, I'm i just thrilled that we've been able to have this conversation. I think it actually went even better than I expected. It's just been such a beautiful time. Even though it's a heavy time, I just think of um, the fact that there are a lot of broken people in our, our nation. Praise the Lord. Our church has gotten a lot of broken people. They're coming to our church because they've seen us take a stand uh, to be open, to provide hope during the last several years when things were very dark and hopeless. But with that come a lot of broken people because they haven't known the way of righteousness. They haven't known God's word. They haven't followed the Lord. And now they come into our church. They hear a different way. They they maybe have just gotten saved and everything is new to them. Everything they've known up until now is completely opposite. Maybe a lot of bad things have happened to them. Marriages are, are falling apart and they're just really broken. And Psalm 147.3 says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And I always, I always want to remember that as I fight for truth, as I speak for truth, I also want to take time to help those who are broken. And many times it's the broken that are most vulnerable to these kind of things. So we have to remember that they are also broken, but then call them to righteousness. And once again, I, I think as parents, we have to rise to the call to be parents, to train up our children, to speak truth, to be intentional, to be aware, right? If our child suddenly changes their personality or their demeanor, take note and, and investigate, right? Teach our children to obey you, right? Ephesians 6, 1 and 3 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Let's teach our children that. Let's expect them to obey us and to honor us. It's not about raising ourselves up, but it's about teaching our children what is right and good, how to honor authority so that they can honor God and his authority. And the end result is that God blesses us, and that's a really cool thing. We want our kids to be blessed. And so I think we need to remember that. We want to rise up to that. And when we fail, let's confess and then move forward. Uh, and so, Dr. Ann, I hope that we can continue to work together to speak truth into this. I pray that God will truly bless you as you continue this pursuit, and especially as you're digging into some deep, dark stuff on pedophilia, like what a dark place that must be. But I pray that God will bring some truth to this and use you to bring truth to our culture in this as well. So thank you so much. Thank you for your boldness on this very sensitive topic and uh, just being willing to help bring reform to a very distorted culture. Mm -hmm. And I pray that this has been an equipping time for our listeners today. And thank you so much, Dr. Ann, for your time and for sharing your expertise with us. If you want to find more of Dr. Ann's content, please check out restoringthemosaic.ca, where you can subscribe to her newsletter and read the latest blogs and watch video links. 
Thank you for joining us today as we seek to rebuild biblical womanhood from the foundation up.